I'm Kate Daniels. A critical part of living a good life is practicing civility in all of our relationships and encounters. Someone who's had a great deal of practical experience with this is Greg Tucker, a.k.a. the Deplorable Poet, who joins us with good insights and ideas for what we can do to grow and improve. Greg Tucker, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us today. Uh, Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I really appreciate this opportunity because you have such a long list of qualifications in terms of giving us some really good insights on, uh, shall we call it human behavior and civility and discourse and that sort of thing. And this comes from, wow, your resume as a army vet, former police officer, a private investigator, and then you have these college degrees in criminology. So I would say you have a lot of great qualifications. Yes, I do. I I think I've spent my life on studying human behavior, and I'm fascinated by people in general. So um, it's something that I absolutely love, um, and it's something I've devoted my life to. Very obviously, because of these professions that you have chosen, and certainly right in the midst of always working with people, with human beings, and with humanity. So let's see, over the course of, say, um, a, a couple of decades, several decades, you've no doubt seen changes in the way our society has evolved and to where we are today? Uh, yes, I have. Um, my background, I've actually worked, um, I was a parole, actually a parole probation officer in Florida and in uh, uh, worked in the prisons in Texas and Florida uh, as a lieutenant. Um, and most, I've seen a big change where people are, they are less, uh, there's more division and less, uh, you know, working together. And I can really, really put that together as that we forgot that we need to start listening to each other. Yes. So there's just too much talking over each other kind of situation that has, uh, has evolved. So with your experience, you you perhaps saw that, did it slowly erode in your estimation, or did we kind of hit a wall and all of a sudden things cracked? I think we've started teaching each other that the only way that you're going to move forward is if you try to be dominating and uh, uh, exert your will. And the one thing that I actually have taught officers when I was a lieutenant is if you have to show that you have power, you have no power. I said you have to be confident in who you are, but you also have to listen to the person you're dealing with and try to empathize with what they're uh, going through. So that feels, it it seems so logical, and yet... When when we don't have that happening, how do we impart this, well, awareness, the, this need for us to really be able 
to to live to live civilly I think we have to start looking internally at ourselves and try to understand why we want it's so important for us to tell people what we think, how we believe, and how we feel. We have to start looking at it like maybe there's something in me that I need to kind of tone down a bit. I've learned so much from just listening to people rather than speaking. And the more we listen, the more we start. And it doesn't mean that I agree with the person's beliefs or ideologies, but if I listen, I can start to understand why there's differences, and it, it makes you a better person. Truly, yes. So uh, I'm on, you know, on that same side of the the page with you, Greg, of really believing and what really aiming to live in that way is to listen. Uh, I think it started first because maybe I was too shy to speak and listening was an easy thing to do. But now it just really seems critical to to listen. And people will use the, that adage of, well, you've got uh, two ears and one mouth, so you could you should be listening twice as much as talking. But how do you approach that? How do we really impart that to to our society? I think, um, you know, there's this whole thing about inclusion. So what does inclusion mean? That, that means that we, we accept each other's differences and we, you know, we accept people in our group system, even though they might not uh, totally uh, identify with us. And if we're going to teach inclusion, then we need to teach about listening and and not only uh, by on paper or by uh, symbol symbolism accepting people, we actually do accept people for their differences. Uh, in my book, uh, Sour Cream and Vinegar, and you can see that on my website, uh, thedeplorable.com. I write poetry, and I find that people with totally different views have come back to me and said, you know, I really relate to what you wrote. And so when it comes down to it, even if we're totally different, we all share the same emotions and our experiences might be different, but the emotions are are very real and it's something that we can, you know, unify with. Right. And yes, your your book of poetry. Are there two books? Because I'm I'm just aware that of sour cream and vinegar when milk and honey isn't enough. But is there another? Uh, yes, uh, I wrote a book. And I, it was kind of my little trial book. It's called uh, Social Distancing This. It was right when the pandemic came out and I decided to start, you know, formulating a collection of poetry and putting it together. And my second book is one that's more polished and it's more, um, it really stands out of writing a more diverse set of uh, material that everybody can relate to. Yes, really touching on 
so much of what is real and important in our life, such as grief, uh, that certainly stands out because I, I certainly think uh, during the last year and a half plus, we have had, it feels like more than our share of grief going on. Absolutely. I I actually, a lot of the poems that I wrote um, is dealing with my dad that passed away back in October 2019. And uh, it really spoke to me. Um, you know, when uh, most poets, we write on emotions. We write what is real to us at that moment. So I started writing poetry um, that a lot of people could relate to. It's like, you know what? People tell me uh, it's gonna, I'm going to get over this. Well, I'm really not going to, you know, and and I still actually I just wrote a poem about two days ago that talked about mourning and how uh, I, I thought I was over in the mourning period. And then I listened to an old voicemail that my dad uh, gave me, and it just came all back. It's something that we have to deal with, and all uh, human beings deal with uh, grief. Yes. Maybe this will relate in the big context of, of our conversation, but just thinking about grief and mourning and how it, it's we need to honor that as a part of life. It We are going to lose people that are close to us will die. There's going to be this huge loss. And rather than trying to just whip past it and say, oh, well, that's life, I think there's just so much honor for the person in our life, but respect for ourselves too, to give ourselves time, whatever time that is, to really do the mourning. As you say, it's it's now maybe going close to two years, but it could be 10 years. I know that happened with my dad, that, you know, it, it was a long time before I felt just more at peace. Not that I don't still miss him. It is So is that part of it? Maybe as you said, starting with ourselves, if we respect those parts of ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. I think when we start respecting ourselves, then everything that we think is, you know, important, the, you know, what I believe politically or what um, I think we should do as a society, that really starts to become very, uh, uh, it's, it's vain. You know, because on the big picture, we're all humans, and we all uh, feel the same way. So we have to get past the trivial stuff and start working together on the important issues to help us, you know, become better people, a better nation. And and I think that's what we have to focus on, especially in today's times. Because if we don't, if we see how um, we continue down the path we've started to go, it looks pretty grim, does it not? It really does. And I think that's the one thing that's really concerned me over the past couple of years, especially, is that we want to, everybody wants to forget about history. And if we don't reflect on history, then we're we're subject to relive it. So all the bad things um, 
that history has brought us, we have to go back and reflect on it so we don't make the same mistakes. Um, That's so very important. We can't erase history. We just can live live for a better uh, tomorrow. So that is certainly one aspect of it, but the other being, as you said, listening more to what each person has to say rather than shouting over each other. Absolutely. I mean, you get nowhere if you shout over. If you listen, maybe you get a different perspective than what you had before. Um, And if you don't, then maybe... uh, you're, it, it's just a confirmation of what you believe, but you get something out of it. Right. So have you had that kind of an encounter or that personal experience where you've encountered hostility or uh, just this anger and where you've been able to then diffuse it or been able to calm it down? I think most of my life I've done, I have been involved in de-escalating events. Um, my past experience, especially working in the criminal justice system, where people there's, you know, people are going through very difficult times, and um, what I find is that uh, if I sit back and I empathize. And and that doesn't mean I agree with everything that's being said, but I allow that person to have that voice. Then things start to go down, down, you know, from the hostility. The hostility it starts to to lower, and then we can talk. Uh, you can't ever reason with a drunk person or a person that's mentally ill. That's the worst thing you can do is try to uh, argue with them. And, you know, we're dealing with uh, times where people are very emotional. So trying to argue is just going to make the flame. It's like gasoline on on fire just makes things worse. If we uh, sit back and we start to empathize and start to sincerely, and it's not a fake um uh, expression. It's a sincere expression of allowing other people to talk, then then it becomes peaceful. Right. So where we have these really polar, polarized situations going on, uh, can we f- perhaps formally bring people together? Or what from your experience, would be a way to help us kind of move out of this and move forward still as individuals. Maybe that's part of the problem, is it? that People uh, are concerned that they have to become something they're not? I think so. We're so concerned with, and that's part, part of the division that you see with our nation, is everybody has to uh, we have to be a part of a group. So if you have an ugly, ugly duckling in the group, then what do you do? You expel that person. And we have a lot of ugly ducklings out there right now. I'm one myself. That's why I call myself a deplorable poet. Um, where 
I, I just want to be an individual. I don't – actually, my belief system is uh, very mixed. I have very uh, strong opinions on um, uh, unity and putting people together. Uh, I, I'm a lover of culture and anthropology, uh, so I don't like to be a part of a group. I like to think for myself, and I think if we start to – um, reclaim that, then we'll be better people as a nation. And a lot of people don't realize it, but um, the famous poet Walt Whitman, he's one of my mentors of poetry because he really spoke about the need of being the individual. And I think we need to start refocusing on that. So- so the thing, and I I agree that we need to be individuals. We've certainly seen where you know o- over decades, if not before, people would you know of a of a generation they'd have to be. Uh, let's see, uh, the beatniks, and then it was the hippies, and then it was I'm not sure what <laughs> how it's all continued. Or being part of a gang. It's like they're, they're seeking a way to just be a a type, whereas. Um, being the individual really is important for not just for our own self, but for but for progress and and for things to happen. Absolutely, and if you look at the great um, inventors and great um, philosophers of of history, you'll find that they're not <laughs> really. A lot of them really didn't didn't belong in groups. They were individuals. They they took that frontier way of thinking and 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 decided, hey, we can go forward. We don't have to be a part of the same way of thinking. We can actually extend from it. So. If we find ourselves in a situation, Greg, where we we want to listen and and really make progress this way to to really come to being civilized uh, civilized people, how do we then encounter you know people who are screaming or yelling about things or being violent? How? How do you recommend we proceed with this? Well, you know, you don't proceed by giving them what they're giving you. I mean, that doesn't work out too well. Um, you embrace it. I I uh, really uh, take the notion from what's called your key, your inner self, which you see especially with Eastern thought of like Aikido, um, where you you don't try to fight your aggressor you become a, you become one you allow that negative energy to become positive by not yeah you, you just basically allow yourself to let them be heard and then progressively with a non-threatening manner give your point of view and it, it becomes more of a unity versus uh, uh division and i imagine it, with your strong long resume of the kind of work you've done you've been found yourself in such a situation or two 
all the time. I, uh, when I worked in the prison system, I think at the time it was average about six uses of forces a week. That's where you actually had riot gear and you pulled prisoners out of their cell because, and had to, um, you know, de-escalate the situation. Um, I ha- I was known for not even having. I had a, I think I had about seven uses of forces in about uh, a little over three years. I I found different methods to um, get uh, people to cooperate with me, and and that really started with listening, and it had nothing to do with uh, not uh, following through with a situation that needed. To end, it's a it's just a different method of doing it, and it was successful doing that. Absolutely, um, I I wrote a lot of tickets when I was in prison of offenders doing things they didn't supposed to, and they knew that they knew that I would just follow through, and uh, they would have to go through disciplinary hearing and and had their property taken. A, uh, commissary rights taken. However, I would listen to them and I would talk to them calmly instead of just trying to use force to um, disarm the situation. You don't have to use force. You can uh, treat people firmly, fairly, and consistent and do it in a civil manner. Did you ever get any feedback from any of those individuals when when you used that kind of uh, method, how they felt after? Did, did did you get that response at all? Uh, yes, I've actually had inmates go to other officers uh, and say, "Well, Lieutenant Tucker, you know, it's not all that drama. He he will follow through with what he said he's going to do. However, he listens to my gripes and he." You know, you might not change everything because some things can't be changed, but at least uh, at least I can get my voice out. Mm. So obviously respect was very present in, in those sure. situations, right? Sure. You have to respect. You can't demand respect. You have to earn respect. And you earn respect by uh, being um, a model to other people. Uh, I used to be very, um, I used to t- teach my officers, if I'm walking around the corner and I hear two voices and I can't figure out who's the offender and who's the officer, we really have a problem, you know. You need to be, uh, you need to be, be an example to people. And if you allow yourself to uh, have rage or, or uh, uh talk to people in a uh, very um, demeaning way, then you're not being a model. You're being just, you're being the same as that person is being towards you. Indeed. So at this time where I dare say we find ourselves at a crisis, in a crisis, uh, because of of these kinds of actions, and sometimes it feels like... um, you know, the negativity is taking over. What do we do, uh, you know, as to to make this change? Do you feel hopeful? 
I, I believe I do. I, I feel like the more we promote positive uh, outcomes with one another and we uh, walk away from uh, negativity, the, the better off we're going to be. And I'm, be, you know, for several years, especially the media itself, they've, they've thrown all this negative talk and negative information for people and they just absorb it. And I see, uh, I see a bit of a change the last few months where uh, we're really coming together more unifying. And, and the only way we're going to do that is encouraging one another. And even if there's things that do need to be changed, find really practical ways of doing it without um, trying to demonize the person that, that, that we disagree with. Those sound like really wonderful words of wisdom, which is perhaps, again, why you have turned to your writing, to your poetry, because has it been then a vehicle for you to express your feelings, your emotions, so that maybe you are able to listen even more deeply than you have in the past? I believe, you know, everybody has a hobby or something that where they vent um, all the stress that they have in life. And writing poetry is that vessel for me. I'm able to write my feelings. And, and sometimes it's a lot of self-reflection. It's, sometimes it's a lot of regret. But it allows me the opportunity to redeem myself. Um, as a human and understand that, you know, we all make mistakes in life and how can we be better people um, by uh, doing that self-reflection. So poetry is a very therapeutic um, way of me, uh, you know, working through my own situations in life. What I'm hearing is that that is your vehicle that that all of us really need some kind of method to be able to express ourselves. You were mentioning some of the um, things like Aikido and if it's some sort of a physical activity, maybe it's walking in the woods or just taking a stroll somewhere, but writing is one. Some, some kind of um, different activity maybe will help us to deal with some of these emotions so we can bring more of ourselves, our listening, to our encounters with other other human beings. Sure. And then, and it, it also allows you to stop fixating on on all the negative things in life because you're you have an outlet whether you write or whether you um, you're an artist and you paint. It's a way of uh, refocusing that energy somewhere else. So, I mean, if you allow the steam to come out of a steamer, then there's nothing built up there anymore because it's all come out. So using different uh, things that we enjoy to uh, transfer that negative energy into positives is, is what we really need to focus on. You know, that feels really s- simple. I mean, it could be 
challenging to maybe turn ourselves, this vehicle around. But these are some very, really strong points that I think each of us can work on. And that will bring us to really being our best selves and and creating the best good for all of society. Absolutely. I think I think when we start to realize how we can become better and uh not focus on the negativity around us then uh, we all will be at a better place. Well, I really appreciate your you're having the thinking that you've done and the experiences in your life that you've put it all together and we've been able to talk at least about some of it. Uh, Let's mention your website again because people can find out more about you and about your poetry and and just, uh, you know, find, I think, resources that might be a a great tool for ourselves. Oh, yes, great. You can uh, check out more about me on the deplorablepoet.com and my new book is the sour cream and vinegar when milk and honey is not enough yes really very interesting and very honest portrayal of of your feelings which i think again will give us ideas about how to uh, proceed, how to take our next steps as well. Well, this, again, has been really so great to have you join us, Greg Tucker. I appreciate the time, and I appreciate who you are and all you are doing for all of us. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate the time you took to speak with me and allow me to have my voice, and and that's so very comforting, and I, uh, I appreciate it. I guess we were practicing listening, right? Yes, ma'am, we were. That's the first step, just to listen. Exactly. Well, again, my deep thanks, Greg. Thank you.